0: My name is Mike Finnegan. I'm your assistant minister, and many of you might be going, "What's that?" Well, an assistant minister basically does uh, a lot of the jobs that the pastor uh, would not have to do because he has somebody like me. Uh, I make sure all the the coffee pots are on. I make sure uh, the truck is in good working order. I make sure that uh, all the 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 volunteers are in place. I make sure that we have everything that we. For both campuses, uh, I'm also the small groups coordinator. I'm uh, in in the process of going through each small group and making sure it's healthy, making sure it has everything it needs. Uh, I'm also making sure that there are people out there that that aren't in a small group. Hint, hint. Anyone sitting out there? Uh, that you are getting uh, involved in a small group. Small groups are the lifeblood of our church. They were the lifeblood of Jesus's a little rabble of 12 back in the day. It worked for him, and I'm pretty sure it's going to work for us. So that those, those are some of the things, all of the things that involve uh, an assistant minister. Um, I had been going to school. I've uh, been taking about a year sabbatical as I try to figure out what God is calling me to do. Uh, I, I'm hoping to go back here real soon and uh, eventually get my license uh, to become a licensed local pastor. But right now, I am. In training, as you might want to uh, put, and uh, Pastor Matt Benton has graciously allowed me to preach the very last uh, in the series on the book of John. For the last month and a half, both campuses, actually, at Spirit Life Church, have been doing a sermon series on the book of John. We have seen the word of God, how it became flesh in Jesus Christ. We've seen the miracles Jesus worked during his earthly ministry. We've seen Jesus as the great is the great I am. We've seen, we've heard Jesus' farewell discourse. And just last week, we witnessed Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. And today, we see the exciting conclusion of John's first-hand eyewitness account, the resurrection. And along with it, Jesus' guarantee of eternal life for those who believe. I would like to thank both the pastors uh, for doing all the heavy lifting for the last several weeks, uh, preaching on chapter 1 through 19, giving me the the big reveal of chapters 20 and 21. As Jesus himself taught Nicodemus and teaches us way back in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Now, there's a reason that this one verse is easily the most recognized in all of Scripture, for it contains the essence of the gospel message. The heart of God is that we are all loved, the heart of God is that all are precious in his sight. All are worthy of Jesus dying on a cross that we might be saved and granted eternal life with God. Notice it doesn't say, for God so loved the Mormons or the Methodists. It didn't say, for God so loved cowboy fans, because how would that happen, right? (laughs) Sorry. um, No, God said, for God so loved the world is especially telling uh, a week after that tragic massacre uh, in Orlando, that we see so many hurting people, misunderstanding that God does not want us to be at odds with one another. God wants us to love one another. He died so that all of us may be saved, not just one group or the other, but all And this promise made by Jesus very early in the Gospel of John now reaches its fulfillment with the resurrection of Jesus. I love in in Romans where it says, The firstborn among many brothers and sisters, the first to be raised of all of us who will be raised with him. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 tells us that if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Our promise of resurrection to glorious eternal life is now guaranteed in Jesus' own resurrection and glory. At this time, let's, let's look at John chapter 20, shall we? Uh, both 20 and 21 are printed in your bulletin, and sections of it will be printed or actually appear here on the screen as well. But let us, let us read. and reached the tomb first. And stopping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, now lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. And he saw and believed. I often wonder what exactly did he believe? He saw something in there and believed. In some of my classes, uh, some of the professors have, have postulated that what he saw was the head cloth folded and put off at the head there, along not with the other cloth, but folded and placed. Where he lay, and what what did that signify? Well, in in that time, Jesus was what a carpenter, and any time a carpenter had finished a project, what did he do? He would take his 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 uh, his garment off his uh, his work cloth off. He would fold it, and he would place it on the project, and that would signify that his work had been done. So we see that. In there, saw the cloth folded up, and on some level understood that Jesus had had completed his his work, his mission was finished. He had beaten death. We read further, it says then the disciples back went. Uh, I'm sorry, for as they had did not yet understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary. Stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stood to, stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but did not know it was Jesus. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, "I have seen the Lord, and that He had said these things to her." What an amazing group of experiences! How the the disciples must have have, have been scared, and excited, and exhilarated, and 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 all these different emotions. I'm sure scared was probably the biggest among them. What what's What's just happened? We don't know. We don't quite understand. We see that Jesus is no longer there, but they didn't quite understand exactly everything that was happening. What scares you? If you made a list of the things that scare us, it might include things like the future, the unknown, having to deal with that crazy person at work. I know for me, fear of the unknown is tough. Especially when it comes to my calling, um, that's, that's, that's a tough that's a tough deal, you know, because we don't know, you know, God has promised us today, but He's not promised us tomorrow. So there's that that fear that drives us sometimes. But of all the things that scare us, the resurrection of Jesus Christ in chapter twenty proves to us that death does not belong on that list. For the Christian. For the one who believes Jesus' promise of eternal life, death should not be a scary proposition. Because for the Christian, we know that death is not the end. Death is merely a doorway through which we pass in a moment as we enter into God's promise, heavenly, eternal life. Throughout the Gospel of John, Jesus mentions eternal life 47 times. 47 times in one book. That's a lot. He's trying to tell us something. I would call that a major theme. Eternal life is a big idea in John's writing because it was such a big part of Jesus' teaching. And maybe the coolest part is eternal life is not something we have to wait for. If you have Jesus Christ as your Savior, your eternal life starts now. New resurrection life with Jesus Christ is not something on the horizon. It's not around the corner or over the hill, but it's something that we can begin to experience right here, right now on earth. In John, we read that Jesus came that we may have life and have it more abundantly here and now. Not more abundant stuff, but more abundant life. Because there is no life our stuff. There is no life in your iPhone. There's no life in your fancy car. There's no life in your whatever collection. Enter, enter that in there. I used to collect, I, and I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell myself a little bit here. I used to collect Beanie Babies. Right, TJ, thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Whew. But seriously, folks, there is no life in our stuff. Abundant life is not about what we have. It's not about what we get. Ultimately, abundant life is about what we receive as a gift from God and to live knowing we are vessels of that amazing blessing of God. In John, we see Jesus working miracle, miracles in real people's lives here and now. We just saw just a brief glimpse of that as we commissioned our community vacation Bible school. You know, we, you, you can look at that as, oh, this is a great way for, for kids to get out of the house and, and have some fun, but it's also an awesome mission field, okay? Going out into the community, you know, getting, getting kids that would never, ever have an opportunity to hear the name of Jesus involved and getting to know about God. That's an amazing, amazing, expression of God's love here on earth and very shortly we're going to be sending a group of adults and youth on a mission trip to Costa Rica Uh, they're going to be sharing the love of Jesus they're going to be helping people in need and that's another expression of of life uh, that, that God has given us and we're trying to send out to the world and we see miracles happen every day if we would just engage Jesus is not just the Lord of the dead he's the Lord of the living and by his power Jesus shows us that disease and pain and the mortality of this life don't get the final word remember in John chapter eleven twenty-five, Jesus says I am the resurrection and the life he who believes lives and believes in me shall never really die because I live you shall live also do you really believe this not just with your minds, but with your lives and with your actions. If we really believe this, if we honestly take Jesus seriously, this fundamentally changes the way we see life and death. Life and death. During the last Men's Emmaus walk I was on, we learned a song called Christ and Me, which we just sang right before uh, our video. It had a powerful message about how we're supposed to live if we really believe this is how we're supposed to live. And what what if I believed in your power and I really lived it? What, What if I believed Christ in me? I would lay my worries down, see these hills as level ground if I believed Christ in me. Oh, I would praise you with my life. Let my story lift you high if I believe Christ in me. You see, it fundamentally changes the way we look at life and death. It changes how we view growing older. It fundamentally changes the way we all will have to face our own mortality one day. That came very, very close to me um, five years ago father was one of those guys that, that just kept overcoming and overcoming and overcoming. He, he was in an accident. He overcame. He, he had a had a stroke. He overcame. He had another stroke. He overcame. He had a heart attack. OK, so it's just going to be one more thing that he's going to overcome. But it wasn't. What's, going, what's heaven going to look like? What's it going to be like? Through the glimpses of heaven we get in the Scripture, we see that there's no more pain, no more mourning, no more crying. We'll be with Jesus. We'll be with our loved ones. But it's not just going to be pearly gates and golden streets and singing Kumbaya. That's not exactly what it's all going to be. Through Jesus Christ, we can begin to know heaven's joy here and now. When we love one another, we experience heaven's joy here and now. When we forgive each other, we experience heaven's joy here and now. When we forgive and love ourselves, when we allow ourselves to be loved and to be forgiven by God, by others, and ourselves, we experience heaven's Here and now. Let's look at John chapter 21 for a glimpse of that type of forgiveness. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now most of us look at this section of John as the redemption of Peter. He's been reinstated after his denial of Jesus three times before the cross. Jesus needed to get through to Peter, that he was forgiven, and he was going to play a big part in what came next. He could have done it a little simpler, perhaps been a little more gruff and said, are you really going to follow me and not flake out on me again? backed up by your actions are your words going to become part of who you are and what you become and with peter and the help of the holy spirit that proved to be true when we look at life's temporary earthbound problems through an eternal heavenly perspective we experience heaven's joys here and now as i am sure peter did even when he was being persecuted for spreading the message of Jesus. Peter didn't focus on the red part of the rope, did he? That was a great analogy, wasn't it? So often we get so hung up on what happens in that little red red part that we forget that what matters is the long piece of the rope. He was focused the last earthly problem that really bothered you maybe you walked in here thinking about that problem here and now from an earthly perspective not having enough money for this and that seems like a big deal and it is but from a heavenly perspective what's money or what's a few extra pounds really matter in the light of eternity And looking at all of our earthly issues in the light of heaven and in the light of eternal life, watch that all, everything falls into perspective. When we're not focused on that little red part, when we're focused on eternity, the things in the red part start to make sense. Let's look at the Lord's Prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray for God's kingdom to come And for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for God to give us our daily bread. We trust that God will provide in this world and in the next. We don't stress out about the things that we have no control over. Because we trust that Jesus has gone ahead and prepared a place for us. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is our rock and our redeemer, and he will never, ever forsake us. This is our blessed assurance. Jesus told us that he would be with us. He told us that he was going for, to prepare a place for us. If, it, if he wasn't, he would have sold us. He died so that we would be, be able to spend eternity What does it mean for us to think and live and act on earth as if we were already in heaven? What does that look like? Adam Hamilton, uh, a Methodist pastor out in St. Louis, uh, puts it this way. Every conversation we have, every decision we make, every action we take is an opportunity for God's kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. We often say we wish we saw more heaven on earth but what if we were the ones who brought it we spend so much of our time complaining about the situations in the world we spend so much of our time complaining oh there's just not enough love in this world there's just not there's just so much hate what if we're the ones to make that change what if we're the ones Such unshakable joy, such immovable faith, such unwavering peace that we ourselves and everyone we come into contact with get a little taste of heaven and every meeting with us. What if we took the promise of resurrection and eternal life so seriously that we recognized I believed in your power, and I really lived it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this time. Father, thank you for bringing us to a point where we can start to see heaven here on earth. Help us to open our eyes, not just our physical eyes, but the eyes of our heart, to see how much you have given us. To see how many blessings we have. The blessings of family. The blessings of friends. The blessings of a church family that love and support us. Lord, it's not about the stuff we did or did not get. Lord, it's about you and the gift of Jesus. Help us to see that. Help us to live that.